Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers. Kevin, how you doing? Any better than I'd be twins. Mm. Uh, You have been writing up a storm for the website. Uh, The first article that we're going to talk about uh, on this podcast is the track and field opener Uh, you wrote about, uh, well, last week, um, but we haven't talked about it yet. So let's do it. Uh, Maddie Elmore had a hell of an opener. Yes, she did. Uh, Set a new Oregon school record in the 3000, uh, which, you know, (laughs) Eight minutes, 50 seconds, 50.43 seconds and 3000 meters. Um, you can't drive that far in traffic yeah. uh, <laughs> in that short amount of time. So C- certainly not in Eugene where yeah. Maddie Elmore is from. Yes, she is homegrown. Um, and the uh, actually, interestingly enough, she was the fourth UO uh, woman to achieve a time below nine minutes in the 3000. When she set the new school record, and it is a 21 second new personal best. Like, that is yeah, That's crazy, huge. yeah, change. So, all of this went down. Um, so we'll back up just a little bit at the uh, BU Shannon Collier Danville season opener for indoor track and field. Uh, yeah, I'm so. I'm glad they're doing it indoors in December <laughs> <laughs> in Boston. Yeah, right. <laughs> Otherwise, they need ice skates. So, uh, in addition to a new school record in the women's three thousand, we actually had four personal bests uh, from our various runners. Uh, in the men's mile, Elliot Cook was actually the top college runner and second overall 
uh, three minutes, 55.5 seconds. Nice. Uh, yes. One of seven runners to dip below four minutes in the mile. Um, and uh, I, I am old enough to remember when, uh, you know, four minute mile uh, was like not a regular event. Yeah. So uh, what was Nixon like? Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, Alex Slenning and Thomas Palfrey, twelfth um, and fourteenth. Crook. Also. He was a crook, is what he was. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do a dig about your age in there. Um, also with personal best. Um, uh, sorry, Sergio Del Barrio uh, in the men's three thousands had the other personal had a personal best, and Ella Nelson in the women's mile four minutes forty seconds forty point six seconds personal best. That's still faster than I could run a mile. It's mm -hmm. probably faster than I could bike a mile. Mm -hmm. um, so people are quick. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty good track team. Um, <laughs> well, you know, Track Town USA didn't we invent running or something like that? Yeah, definitely. Everybody just jogged before Oregon came along. Yeah. Um uh 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 <laughs> on the men's side uh Alex Slenning and Thomas Palfrey uh 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 also you know uh did pretty well in the mile uh came close to 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 crack and four uh got 12th and 14th uh position yes they did um they were top 15 finishers so that's always that's always cool i didn't mention it but uh uh Ella Nelson and Claudia Kaz oh gosh Kazimierska Kazimierska mm -hmm. uh, top ten finishers in the women's mile yeah nice fourth and ninth so it's gonna be a good it's gonna be a good season you know um, a, a lot of these runners are coming off of cross country uh, this is usually a shake the dust off um, race for some of the runners the ones that don't do cross country for whatever strange reason um mm -hmm. but you know we we wrote about maddie elmore when we were covering cross country we wrote right. about elliot cook um these are these are familiar names to those of us that uh, like watching people run in big circles um and now yeah we these are in smaller circles yeah the the this season opener wasn't like the you know it's track and field but it's you know it's not most of the field events are omitted because this is indoor. So they're not throwing javelins and, and discuses and, 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 and hammers, uh, you know, and <laughs> on top of that, it's mostly, you know, it's the distance, you know, uh, events. So it, you know, mm -hmm. it's the, the 1600, the, the 3000 and the, uh, and the 5,000, um, you know, so yeah, it's a lot of overlap with the cross country, um, which you've also covered for the site, uh, and, 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 you know, wrapped up. And so, you know, a lot of these names, you know, were repeated from the, you know, you know, it's crossover from the cross country, you know, team. And, you know, a lot of these times are, you know, pretty similar to, you know, or the, the, the paces, you know, or are, are, you know, similar paces, um, uh, uh, but even then there, you know, there are some new faces, um, you know, like, I, like, uh, you know, on the men's side, I don't, I don't think that you wrote about, uh, you know, Isaiah Sturey, for example, um, who, you know, set a pretty good pace and came in at 161 in the 5,000, um, 
you know, so like, yeah, you know, these are pretty strong distance showings. Um, and it, like, you know, Oregon in the distance races has always been, you know, a pretty good powerhouse. And, uh, you know, especially with the coaching change um, in in uh, track and field, uh, like, you know, there's been sort of a, you know, Oregon hasn't been as dominant, you know, as this, you know, coaching change over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, and so I'm sort of, you know, keeping an eye on, you know, the, the, the beginnings of the season, uh, for sort of laying these foundations. And this seems like a pretty strong foundation. Yeah, I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um, interestingly enough, you know, they, they ran December 2nd and then their next race is the UW indoor preview Mm -hmm. all the way out January 13th. So take the holidays off, um, you know, before their next race and and then it actually you know picks up to where you're going to start seeing not not every week but every other week or so you know see some more uh some more yeah. track and field yeah and then the, the other thing is that they tend to um uh, split the team up so um like the you know different members of the team go to different you know events sometimes on the same like weekend or or, or you know, they'll overlap during parts of the week. So we'll do our best to, to cover it on ATQ and keep you updated on how the team is doing. All right, let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk some volleyball. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. So uh, the women's volleyball team has been competing at the uh, NCAA uh, 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 tournament. They cleared the sub-regionals uh, handily. They swept um, uh, Southeast Louisiana. They swept uh, uh, Hawaii. Hawaii, who they had played uh, earlier, your alma mater. Um and uh and then they uh swept uh and then so that was the sub regionals it was hosted in eugene so mm -hmm. then they go up to the regional host uh, which is wisconsin um uh oregon was the two seed wisconsin was the one seed within the regional um purdue had which was the five seed had defeated uh, uh kansas and i guess a minor upset uh which was the four seed uh so oregon you know got to play a big 10 team uh you know a little early um oregon had been doing pretty well against uh you know big 10 teams they played big 10 teams earlier in you know in the non-conference part of the regular season and um and uh you know they'd also played pit pit was doing very well on the other side of the bracket um uh, you know, did well against them. So, you know, also doing well against schools that start with the letter P, uh, <laughs> I guess. So, you know, so they, <laughs> they swept Purdue. Um, 
you know, so, uh, you know, it was looking pretty good. Uh, and then they go up against the, the regional host, which is Wisconsin, uh, you know, a lively crowd, uh, uh, certainly, um, the they've got, I think Wisconsin has the tallest player in the tournament. She's like seven feet tall. Uh, it certainly looked like it. <laughs> uh, what did you see, uh, when Oregon was going up, uh, uh against the regional host? Uh, well, one thing I do, uh, you didn't mention that we did get to host the, the sub regional. So, yeah, yeah, so that was, that, yeah, that, that was in Matt Court. Yeah, Matt, yeah, Matt, the Matt. Okay. Um, yeah, so I wanted to plug that because, uh, you know, folks get out and watch these sports. It's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, but no, there was definitely a, this was a different type of match. Um, yeah. From, from what I've seen from Oregon. You know, I'm not going to say just putting a tree in the middle of the net was was the entire difference, but um, there was certainly some struggles um, at the net that I saw. You know, they they let Wisconsin go on runs. They they would they would fight and they'd battle, and then Wisconsin would go on a run, and then they'd have to fight their way back, and then Wisconsin would go on another run, and then they'd fight their way back, and it was it was a uh, a very hard fought, very back and forth, but it, it seemed to be like Wisconsin leaps, we catch Wisconsin leaps, we catch, um, you know, both the, uh, or the, the third set, you know, went to extra match point, extra point, mm-hmm. set point came away. Um, and it, it was interesting as I was watching them force a fourth set. Um, I, I went and I looked at the schedule and the, and our records. And I found out that in, something like 34, 35 uh, games all season long, only five have gone to five sets. Only yeah. five. Um, and they've they've won two of them and they've lost three of them. And one of the things that stood out to me is that in every other one of their wins, you know, mostly sweeps they they had like four where they where they lost one so it this team we you know, we've talked about them before how they can really adjust their game they can be really aggressive when they when they have an advantage there they can play a lot of volleys and and stretch out points when when their other team is being aggressive and they've got a very very deep bench um that allows them to kind of shift their play style they haven't been in is in a lot of dogfights mm-hmm um, and and this one, they were they were playing from behind most of <laughs> most of yeah. the, the match, and I I don't know if it was you know crowd noise or you know it gets late in the season you get you start getting tired you know they they'd played <laughs> two nights earlier, um, and then four nights before that and the night before that and the night before you know it's it just there wasn't. I don't want to say there wasn't energy. They ha- they definitely had energy. They were there was a lot of fight in them, but there wasn't that put the game away killer instinct um, that I had seen from them the first three matches of the tournament. Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, like killer instinct, man. Like what are you, what are you supposed to kill? Like I mean, they're just facing like a team that's at least as good as them, at least as big as them. You know, I I. I 
you know, I, I don't know about like outplayed them. I mean, like, I, you know, if you pull up the box score or I was just watching them and it's like, I, I just think that like, you know, I was watching a team that was at least the match of Oregon, if not a little bit better, um, just sort of across the board, you know, like in, 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 e in each way that a volleyball team can be better than another volleyball team, Wisconsin was a little bit better, and all that adds up to being substantially better. Um, and o Oregon's already a very good team, which means that Wisconsin is just like, Wisconsin might win it all. Like, I mean, you might be looking mm -hmm. at the national champion there. Like, um, it, you know, which... Like, I don't know, this might sound like faint praise, but like the fact that Oregon was in like or a Oregon didn't get swept, you know, B like th they didn't lose any of their games by or matches uh, or, by or sets, excuse me, uh, you know, by wide margins. You know, it's 25, 22, 25, 22, 25, 27, you know, 25, 18, you know, mm -hmm. like none of those, you know, it's they don't get killed in any of them. Y like you're right that sort of Wisconsin controls. The, the Wisconsin controlled the three sets that they won. Oregon, I felt like, can, did control the third set, and mm -hmm. Wisconsin sort of Wisconsin did enough to to make it interesting and push it to you know to, to extra points. But like no, like Oregon, I mean Oregon definitely showed that they belonged on the on the floor with Wisconsin in that third set. Like, I, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, Wisconsin was just like definitely like, oh, my God, you know, so much better. But like, but I thought that they were playing a team that was just better than Oregon was like. Did, OK, did, did, did you see something different? Did you see like a team that was equally good in Oregon missed opportunities? I I, I think so. I, I think. uh I, you know, I've, I've watched more volleyball this year than I ever thought I would. Um, mm -hmm. And there just, there just seemed a different energy on the court and, mm. and I can't, I can't put my finger on it. You know, they're, they're out there battling and they were in, that's the thing. They were in every match, but we've seen them be in every match uh, previously. And, and they kind of find that rallying point. They find yeah. that, that, that moment where, you know, it all comes together and it, I, you know, it may be, like you said, they're a little bit better. You know, Wisconsin was a little bit better at this, a little bit better at this, a little bit better at this. And it, and it adds up and they just could not, you know, find that chink in the armor to, to, to exploit. Um, but I, I, the whole, that whole last match, I was waiting for it to like, to turn. Um, and, and maybe I, maybe I feel let down that it didn't, you know, I'm sure that the girls feel, feel just as let down that it didn't, but um, you know, they, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say, I don't think that Oregon got beat. I, I think that the better team on the court won, but I have seen teams overcome minor skill disparities with, I don't know, heart effort. Um, but I, I was I, maybe I was just uh, I'm a homer and I was hoping for it and it just didn't mm. materialize. Well, I mean, the major I mean, statistically, the major difference is in blocks, mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, that's if, if you look at Oregon's cumulative statistical performance over the course of the year, they are usually in double digits 
um, like in almost every one of their matches, they're in double digits in terms of blocks um, for the match. And and with a lot of their matches being determined, you know, being sweeps in mm-hmm. the Ducks' favor, like meaning that they're, you know, double digits, meaning that they're getting like four blocks, you know, in a match uh, or, or something like that. In, in this match against Wisconsin, Oregon gets four blocks total, you know, in four sets. Right. Whereas Wisconsin gets 16, yeah. you know, and, and like and just from watching them, like I thought it was very clear, you know, why that was, which was Oregon for not like the first time ever or anything. Like, I'm not trying to make it sound like like they, they were like shell shocked or anything, but it's like Oregon couldn't just like leverage an athletic or size advantage against an opponent they were playing a team that was at least as good as they were if not like just straight up bigger and you know Oregon would go to do Oregon stuff at the net and Wisconsin was like nope rejected um and, and frankly, I th- that's why I'm saying that I think a team that can do that is probably a national championship team, and you probably shouldn't feel like too bad about that. Like, mm-hmm. if if a team can block Oregon 16 times, that you should probably start getting fitted for a national championship jacket, because um, that's like a flipping amazing thing to do. Um, but it's just like, what are you supposed to kill? Like that team's too big, you know, like yeah. that's a Goliath. Like, um, like, I'm not sure what you're supposed to well, like. Well, it, and we still did have more kill. That's the, that was the other thing is, you know, you, you talk about the, the stat block, the, you know, 16 blocks to four. That's the, you know, Oregon had more kills, more aces. They more, had more kills more assists, by four, like big. 64 versus 59, you yeah. know, like. And, and that's because they were attacking more because they, they well, yeah. You had to. I mean, yeah. when you get behind, you got to get a grip. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, like, you're right in that, that there's, like, it's, it, you know, it's it's close, right? You know, like, you know, the, the hit percentage is close. You know, the kill number is close. The dig number is almost identical. You know, the service ace number is almost identical. Um you know, like they're these teams are very close. Oregon's very close to being. And here's another here's another thing. I, I I guess I'll put it this way: like home court advantage is a thing. Like how much? Like I I do think that Wisconsin is you know somewhere between slightly and moderately like just overall a better team than Oregon is. But or they were playing like such a team, but they were also playing at home with the crowd that was super into it, which like, by the way, Oregon moving to the big 10, you're going to be playing teams like that, like on a weekly basis. Um, so like get used to that. Um, but anyway, like Oregon was probably a good enough team this year to be a regional host. And, if they hadn't slipped up against teams like Arizona state and if they, you, you know, and, and if they had like taken care of, you know, like they got swept by, you know, they lost both of their matches against Stanford, right. They split against Wazoo. Um, y- you know, like they're, they were, the, the, they were like 
maybe two or three. We were talking about it during the year that they dropped some matches that they could have won. And had they won them, they might have been, you know, instead of like they were probably the, the, the NCAA won't tell you this, but you have to go to like private um you, you know, private ranking services, you know, the coaches pull, you know, whatever, in order to tell you what the overall, you know, one, two, three, four, five, down to 25 you know, rankings. Oregon was probably fifth ranked. Um, Like it, Oregon, if they had won some of those regular season matches that they lost, they might have been fourth ranked and gotten a, a regional hosting spot. And then they wouldn't have had to play Wisconsin at home. They would have been a home team. And then when, and then maybe they would have advanced to, to, to play in Florida. And then rather than playing Wisconsin at home, because Wisconsin surely would have hosted their own regional and surely would have advanced out of it. And surely Oregon at some point would have played Wisconsin, but they wouldn't have been playing Wisconsin in Madison. They'd be playing Wisconsin in, Tampa or wherever the hell the, the final is. I think it's, in, I think it's in Tampa. Uh, uh, right. Which like, maybe this is a little even, you know, more even of a competition. If the Oregon Wisconsin match happens in Florida rather than Madison, you know what I mean? So, mm -hmm. so in that sense, like, you know, maybe those, those matches that they shouldn't have dropped, you know, to, to Arizona state and wazoo and, and, and losing both times to Stanford, like maybe that bit them in the butt, you know, you, you know, a, a month or two later, you know, when, when we, in the NCAAs. So like maybe, you know, next year when, when, you know, when, when they're like fingers crossed, you know, knock on wood, it's time to make another national title run. Like, Hey, take care of business in the regular season and get a regional host. So you don't have to deal with this, but <laughs> let's, let's make that a team goal. Yeah. Stop and beat on uh what was it? Marquette a couple more times. Yeah. I mean, they did. I mean, that was the thing though. Like they, they covered themselves in glory in the non-conference. It was, it was conference. Yeah. I don't even want to call them slip ups because they didn't lose to like bad teams. No, but their their non conference loss was Minnesota. Yeah, exactly. You know, which, like they, they which I was mean, a tournament was, team. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like no non conference was great. In fact, non conference probably was what you know got them ranked as highly as they did. Um, you know, non conference was was what you know uh, allowed them afforded them that many conference match losses and still, you know, being the two seed in a regional. Mm -hmm. um the uh, and having an easier path to the elite eight um or actually they don't call it the elite eight in this because it's like a copyrighted term but you know what i mean yeah um i, 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 I don't have to honor that. that ha 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 uh fair <laughs> use I, I, don't, I don't know uh the the uh the the you know but like now nah, it was the you know they they just slipped up one too many times in the and and again it's not like they lost to like you know one of these bad pack 12 teams but like you know they got swept on their own floor by arizona state which like i think arizona state did make the tournament but like and I think they finished ranked like 24 or something like that. So that's not like super humiliating, but it's 
like a little humiliating. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not supposed to get swept on your own floor to a team that's ranked like 20 spots below you. Like, don't, don't do that. Like, you know, that'll let, let's set that as the team goal. It was like, be a regional host next year. So you don't have to face, you know, a one seed on their floor. And you instead, when you face that sort of team, you get to see them on a neutral court. It's is uh, hope coach is listening. Yeah. <laughs> There's your goal. Host I, the super regional. I, he better be listening. This is like the only podcast that covers volleyball. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, coach, I, you know, that, I, number one, uh, good work this year. Number two, you know, let's get a regional host next year. Number three, let, let's cut it out with the Dr. Strange hair, hair dye. Like uh, no one's buying that. All right. Let's take a break. <laughs> uh, sorry, real quick. I do oh, want yeah, to yeah. bid a fond farewell to our uh, seven graduating seniors um, from the squad. So, Oh, yeah, quite quite a bit. Yeah, it's going to be something of a reload uh, next year. You want to run through them? Uh, absolutely. So, Elise Ferreira, Gabby Gonzalez, Georgia Murphy, Morgan Lewis, Kara McGee, Onye Ofegbu, Hannah Pukas, and Carson Bacon. Congratulations. Uh, yeah, uh, it was a hell of a squad and a hell of a run. Um, I, uh, some of those contributed more than others, but most of those uh, were, you know, real, uh, real leaders for the team, and they're mm -hmm. definitely going to be missed. Um, Oregon's got a lot of talent uh, coming back next year, but it's going to be a real challenge to 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 replace a lot of those uh, a lot of those players. Uh, we will see how it goes next year. Um, and, and, but they they've been great ambassadors for uh, Oregon volleyball. Um, and this has been a hell of a run, you know, two years straight now, uh, that Oregon makes it to the elite eight and, uh, you know, I don't think Oregon's done. Uh, and, uh, and those seniors were a big part of it. All right, let's take a break. Uh, we come back, we will talk about, uh, your article about, uh, the NIL landscape and, and transfers in college football. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped. The scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So I think uh, you, the 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 lead art that you chose on your editorial article was uh, Dylan Gabriel, who announced his transfer to the University of Oregon. Um, 
Adam and I had speculated about um, uh, Dylan Gabriel transferring to Oregon. Uh, you know, I, I had come to the conclusion that if Oregon was going to take a grad transfer, that I would have preferred Gabriel to Cam Ward. And looks like I got my wish. I also said that the guy that I really wanted was uh, Dante Moore from UCLA. And well, I may just still get my wish on that one too, but remains to be seen. He's, um, he's coming for a visit, or he's on campus. Is he on campus? I, 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 I believe that has been announced. I'm not sure if he is at the moment we are recording. Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, at, at any rate, that that sort of goes to the point. Uh, that your article was about, which was not specifically about, you know, Dylan Gabriel, but about like, this is how the transfer portal goes now. You know, like this is how the, 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 the landscape of college football is now that, you know, we, we went through maybe a period where the transfer portal was about maybe, maybe I would characterize it as evening out rosters like if you were a if you were a great player who was maybe either misevaluated or you had a, a growth spurt so to speak um and, and you wound up on a like a lower division or a lower quality team that couldn't use you to the best of your ability that you could transfer up mm -hmm. um or the other way around if you were on a team you know that 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 couldn't use you because you know, your, your level of play was such that you were going to be on the bench, um, at that team, um, either because you weren't a good fit for that system or just, you weren't, you know, it, it just didn't work out, um, for you, which that happens. I can tell you from just the vast amount of data that I collect, uh, you know, from maintaining a, a player database on an entire league for this long, like it happened, you know, a third of all players wash out like they just they never live up to what the recruiting services peg as what their ceiling is. Um, and then another third of the players, you know, it's uh, uh, it's it's not fair to say that they wash out. It's something in between, you know, where it's like they they did well, but then they got hurt or, you know, they they, you know, just something goes wrong. Or they don't like the new staff that comes in or just something, you know, and, and but the transfer portal is great for them because like they, they you know, that, you know, that's another one where like dropping to or side transferring to a system that that's just going to work, that, that's just going to be better for them. It's like they they you know they get to see playing time where they wouldn't have seen playing time at their old school and that's sort of like the liberalization of you know it's sort of like it's it's taking all of the artificial barriers to finding your natural fit in eliminating those barriers um and so players would just sort of find their natural fit where there's it's like where they're supposed to be and like so that was and of course, that aspect of the transfer portal is still alive and well. It's still, Absolutely. you know, frankly, mostly, you know, in terms of just the, the total number of humans who use the transfer portal, it is still by and large the, the primary use of the transfer portal. Um, but 
there is yeah. now a thing <laughs> that grabs a lot of headlines and a lot of attention because it's you know it drives the movers and shakers at really the key positions you know where there's a lot of leverage and that's what you wrote about though i did a lot of throat clearing for your article kevin uh so <laughs> having done that why don't you take it from here uh, so Yes. Uh, so you, you hit on the historical perspective that, um, you know, the, tra the transfer portal is not new. Well, the transfer portal is new. Transferring is not new. Oregon has taken transfer players and it has had amazing success with transfer players. Jeremiah Masoli was a Juco transfer. Yeah. Uh, we brought in Vernon Adams from Eastern Washington. We tried to, you know, have lightning strike twice with Dakota Prukup. Mm -hmm. Didn't pan out. Luckily we had this uh, native kid. Nobody would ever heard of, um, I, I think he, I think he did all right. You know, Justin Herbert. Um, and then, you know, things evolved. We got Anthony Brown. We, and then we get Bo Nix with the transfer portal and we've, and these are just QBs. I mean, obviously we've got receivers and running backs and skill position players on both sides of the ball and the trenches are, are loading up. But most of those were people at a lower level before 2018 uh, FCS transfers, Juco transfers, who had capped out in their current environment and wanted the next challenge and the chance at the pros. Um, or they were transfers coming over from elite programs who were buried in the depth chart. Um, you know, we, we've grabbed some receivers out of USC and Alabama. We've grabbed some defensive backs out of the SEC. So that is always going to be there. Those players are always going to be there. But what, I, what I'm seeing this season and we saw it a little bit last season with some of the high profile transfers uh going into usc and into colorado when they were completely rebuilding and uh two years ago when when riley came over starters like not in danger of losing their their starting positions at tier one schools in winning programs are entering the transfer portal you know, Ohio State goes 11 and 1, Kyle McCord transfers. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, I think technically he has to transfer because to get another season because of the grad transfer rules. I don't know how that shakes uh, out with. No, um, I think that's true. I, I, because of the, the um, COVID season, you know, he's, he's going to be playing his sixth year of ball. Well, yeah, but all right. All right, he could have done that at Oklahoma. Yeah, that's just, okay. I I want I I wasn't real sure with with some people who'd already transferred. I mean, the the, the only game. reason why somebody's you know forced out is that if they, I mean, to be a graduate player, they have to you have to be accepted into the grad program at the school. And so if like you don't qualify for any of the grad programs at that school, so like Stanford's sometimes has that problem but like i don't think that would have been a problem for the starting quarterback at the university of oklahoma something tells me that he would have been just fine my understanding was for the grad program it has to also be a program that's not offered at your current school is that not a thing anymore oh, i that's a good that you're you're right that that at least at one point was who knows? Uh, anyway, it's the Wild yeah. West now, but yeah, that doesn't matter. Yeah. That doesn't matter because you still have, you know, Oklahoma starting QB. They're two, you know, one loss away from the Big Twelve title game, you know, and a chance at the playoffs. They're starting QB transfers. Um, 
you know, you get, you have players that are on winning programs. You have, and not, not you know, the running back, the fourth string running back from Michigan is transferring before the playoffs. You know, he's already in the portal. I'm out. He's the fourth string running back. He's buried on the depth chart. Uh, okay, sure. Go find some playing time. But starters on, on, you know, one and two lost teams are, are seeking other opportunities. Now, are they looking for playing time? No. You know, some of them might be following coaches or abandoning uh, programs that maybe they think are not going the right direction with coaching changes. The winning programs generally only have coaching changes when their coaches get poached by other programs. Uh, and sometimes those starters will follow those coaches. I haven't seen a ton of that. Um, you know, not since Colorado uh, dumped 71 people into the transfer portal and then pulled uh, like eight starters mm -hmm. from Jackson state. But uh, it's, it's this weird thing. And you know, Name, image, and likeness is probably a, a very big part of that, and but not just hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a million dollars playing for Oregon or two million dollars playing for USC or three million dollars playing for uh, you know Tennessee because or Texas or A and M or one of those schools with more money than they know what to do with. Um, but we're we're seeing people want you know what this is kind of you know maybe this is a good situation. I don't like this situation. Uh, you know, maybe Dylan Gabriel didn't want to play in the SEC. I'm sure everyone who roots for the SEC on Twitter is going to say that's the exact reason he transferred is he didn't want to play in the SEC. They said the same thing about Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams that, you know, Lincoln Riley didn't want to coach against the SEC and, and, uh, uh, Caleb Williams didn't want to play in it. So, you know, not that he's going to anyways, cause he's going to go pro after this. Eventually he's going to declare that he's going pro. I'm sure. Um, Unless, you know, the Patriots absolutely tank it out and then maybe I'd stay for an extra year rather than go play for that dumpster fire. Mm. Um, but not just not just the money, but the I think that we're going to see, especially with conference realignment, you know, as schools are changing conferences, you know, uh, I'm willing to bet a whole bunch of Oklahoma or not Oklahoma, Oregon State and Washington State players starters on those squads, you know, players that that you know could stay and do very well and you know they can win a pack two championship they only gotta win one game and they win the pack two and then they're a power five champion and guaranteed a spot in the playoffs but they don't want to play a mountain west conference you know, if they have aspirations of building a personal brand, whether that's to go pro or leverage, you know, name image and likeness opportunities, they're not going to do that playing Fresno State and, and you know, BYU. Um, no offense to Fresno State and BYU, San, you know, San Jose State, great programs, you know, mm -hmm. but, but players that committed to Power Five or committed to specific conferences, specific teams in power five, as those teams change conferences, as those conferences dissolve, they're, they are no longer commit playing for the team they committed to. And I think that's really no different than players that committed to a coach. And then that coach took another job. Sure. I, I guess like, all right. So uh, my, 
I, I do think that it is. I definitely agree with you that this season has due to conference realignment um, has definitely seen a, a lot of pickpocketing um, like definitely, you know, certain sort of programs find themselves in the losing end of the stick and, you know, they're going to get raided. Um, like that's definitely true. Texas A&M. I, 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 I don't think that, and I, well, yeah, it, but then also like Oregon state and wazoo. Um, I mean, Texas A&M like that happens because of Jimbo and also because like, they're not the only game in te- like Texas A&M is such a loser on the, the, like Oklahoma and Texas going to the sec thing because they used to be the only Texas program in the sec. And now they're not now they're, you know, now they're third place in the totem pole, you know, for that. And well, they just lost their coach. Like real, to- <laughs> real quick on Texas A&M. They also suffered from being too successful in high school recruiting. Didn't they sign like three, four star, five star defensive linemen? Oh, yeah. In the they, same recruiting they, class. Yeah, and none of them are on that squad. Well, Nolan is the last one from that class is transferring out. Yeah. We'll see where he winds up. That, uh, they, you know, they signed the <clears throat> best class in in history and the highest rated class overall. And like a third of those players never saw the field either. Well, yeah, they... but I am, it makes him a, you know, prime target for poaching. Mm-hmm. I don't like, I don't really think that, I mean, obviously the liberalization of the transfer portal, you know, and sort of the, you know, elimination of, of certain restrictions has definitely led to certainly a lot more, transferring and mm. and for it to be for reasons that aren't just i i wasn't going to get playing time at my original school but i am going to get it at this new school you know uh mm. you know and i'm just seeking playing time i think and like so higher profile you know dudes like starting quarterbacks you know or or, or guys who, you know guys who get their faces on wheaties boxes or video game boxes like yeah I, I know what you're talking about i think the primary thing motivating those guys is winning is is winning games like mm-hmm. i don't really think it's the money like my my attitude and it's not like I'm one of these players. I mean, it's not like I'm in, you know, any of these, these negotiating rooms. I don't know what their backgrounds are. There probably are a bunch of players for whom like the money is actually like vitally important because of family circumstances or other reasons. But I'm just sort of speaking in general here. Like, I think that probably it's the case that NIL money is, it's a box that needs to get checked. Like you need to take care of me. Right. Like Mm -hmm. probably the way the conversation goes is like, you need to take care of me. Like you need to demonstrate that you're serious enough about football, that you have the NIL funding secure, you know, that you have what your revenue streams, you know, in line, you know, that and that demonstrates that you're a serious program, that you've allocated your resources correctly and that, you know, where your incoming revenue is and you're confident enough in that incoming revenue to make promises about it that, you know, you're not going to find yourself going back on, um, you know, because that indicates a sort of stability that I'm looking for. And also because, you know, I don't want to be scrounging up for 
you know, Twinkies or whatever it is that college students eat. Um, you know, like they, they you know, you, you, you need to take care of me. Um, I, I, my understanding or, or, you know, from, from what I can gather is that like sort of once the box is checked, that the idea of like, well, school A promised like 5% more than school B. So that's it. That's the only thing I care about. I'm going to school A. Like, nah, it doesn't work. It's not, it's not so mercenary. Um, that it's like that you, you, you got to clear a threshold of sort of, of seriousness and of like, yeah, you know, or sort of like think of it in the same way that like waterfalls in the locker room. It's not about the waterfalls in the locker room. It's about like uh, we take football seriously enough to build facilities that are nice to be in. The waterfall doesn't do anything for you. And saying, well, this team had three waterfalls in the locker room, but this team only had two. So I'm going to three waterfall university. Like, you know, you know, folks aren't making decisions on that basis. Like they're, they're, they're checking a box, you know, like you take football seriously enough that this is a real deal. Uh, like, I think what they're all trying to do is just win like that that's the thing and they're making a decision based on you know criteria that are probably like as old as time you know like uh, where can i best win where can i best you know showcase my talents Wh you know what coaching staff do i you know fit in best with you know so like 2019 the college football playoff is LSU Oklahoma Clemson Ohio State uh, Trevor Lawrence plays for Clemson. He was recruited by Clemson. Ohio State's quarterback was Justin Fields. He was oh, a transfer, transfer from Georgia. Georgia. Uh, Oklahoma was uh, was uh, 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 Jalen Hurt, um, okay. who was a transfer from from Alabama. Uh, yeah, I know. And it, where it got confusing is that it's uh, it's. It, it, Justin Fields goes from Georgia to Ohio State. Joe Burrow goes from Ohio State to LSU. Uh, 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 Jalen Hurts goes from Alabama to 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 Oklahoma. So it's like you know SEC to Big Ten, Big Ten to SEC, SEC to Big Twelve. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, like they're yeah. all. And the idea that like any one of those programs is any more of a blue blood than any other, or they're going from like a, a non-serious school or non-serious conference to a more serious conference. No, they're just going like, or that like, well, I wasn't getting playing time here, but I was there, you know, like Justin Fields, you know, famously didn't like that. He was just being asked to hand the ball off at Georgia, I guess, you know, but right. Like, it's just like, where do I, where, you know, where do my talents fit best? You know, like J Jalen Hurts wasn't hurting for playing time at Alabama. He he wanted to go to Oklahoma because like, why wouldn't you want to play as a quarterback for Lincoln Riley? Like every quarterback who plays for Lincoln Riley wins a Heisman, right? You know, yep. like, uh, you know, why wouldn't you want to go from Georgia where you're just asked to hand the ball off to Ohio State where, you know, where Justin Fields had an incredible career and winds up in the NFL, right? You know, Joe Burrow goes from Ohio State where he's a, you know, where he doesn't get to throw the ball a million times to LSU where he does and sets a bunch of records, right? You know, well, like, he was never a starter at Ohio State. 
that's true although he, he, he might have been in line to be you know yeah. like it sort of sets the dominoes in in, in place um you know who, who knows what that counterfactual would have been like it, you, you may be right like that might have been a transfer that that was for playing time my point is that like that was in 2019 man where three of the four playoff semi-finalists or transfer quarterbacks you know oh. like that was five years ago dude like oh, yeah. that was before nil was a twinkle in mark emmert's eye like uh <laughs> well no nil was a thing that just didn't have a name it was back alley bribes at the time yeah it was but... bagman <laughs> yeah like you know I, I i tend to think that this is sort of like th this phenomenon is as old as time players want to go where they think that they can win and where, where they think that they, you know, their talents are going to be best utilized. And, uh, and, and the players, you know, the Wheaties box players, you know, like there, you know, there are some prominent exceptions where, where like the entire program gets built out of the transfer portal, like USC, you know, and, 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 and like you're going to have to build a big NIL budget in order to do that because you, you have to check a lot of dudes boxes now. Um, but like the idea, like this gets tossed around a lot on message boards because there's a lot of sore losers on message boards, you know, who, who lose out on a recruit or a transfer. And then in order to cope with that, they make up dumb nonsense about like, well, that only happened because they dumped a, a you know a, a truckload of cash on them or something like no one would ever reject my beautiful wonderful university if it weren't for those you know the those cheaters and their filthy mammon um you know which is not to say that there aren't like you know like Th there are some things about NIL in which like there's constant, like there are programs that like they pool all of their NIL money and put it all in front of one player because they need to make a splash. Whereas other programs that sort of, I, I need to maintain a, a moderate amount of NIL for all of our players then can't like park the dump truck in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, although oftentimes what happens is the park, the dump truck, like that approach backfires, you know, e either, either because you want, you, you lock down that player who you parked in front of, and then that player doesn't work out because, Hey, rule of thirds, you know, you're rolling the dice on a single player. Um, and then you don't have any money left, you know, to build the rest of your team. Um, or, uh, because like the the team is is like or you know that guy just like sort of wakes up he's like wait a minute me getting eight million dollars and then playing on a team that's gonna win four games because they're not building the rest of the team this isn't smart um and then they wind up going to one of those the other team that's like actually properly built like we've seen we've seen a bunch of those where the, the, you know, the, the kid, you know, the kid gets dollar signs in front of his eyes, you know, because the, you know, the, the, the needs to make a splash pool, all their NIL money together, you know, program, you know, got him in, in June, like got his commitment in June. And then, and then in November when it's, 
when it's time to sign, you know, or when si- early signing games coming up, it's like, oh, how how interesting a, a late flip. How about that? Like, huh? I wonder what happened there. Like, and it's probably not that the Brinks truck, you know, suddenly turned out not to have any money in it. It's probably that the kid, you know, made made a little more rational calculus. Like, and you see that over and over. Anyway, yeah. Like well, it- I. <laughs> I th- I think that this notion that like NIL has fundamentally changed the the landscape I think is probably wrong and you already said it Kevin like cuz there were bag men you know Yeah like, it it was and it wasn't even it wasn't even like an unknown thing like Yeah there there was I mean back in the 90s there was a Miami booster who was you know he had like he owned an entire condo building that was just <laughs> parties for the football team, you know. Like it wasn't a back alley thing; it was out there in public. Everybody knew about it. Um, and one of the things that happened kind of early on, and I don't I don't remember who said it. It was one of one of those terrible four letter uh, broadcasting company analysts. Mm-hmm. He said that nil will go crazy. And then it will establish its own market. There will be a price, a NIL price for a top, top tier university day one starter at every position. Like if if you want the best left tackle in the nation, you need, you know, it's going to be this much money to get them to go. And it doesn't mean that the number one tackle is going to go to the first school that offers that much money. It just means that's, you know, that's going to be part of the package. It's like you said. Um, oh, and I just remembered what my other rant was going to be about, but I'll I'll save that. Um, oh, good. All right. I'm looking so... forward to it. <laughs> Wait, I got to write it down before I forget. Uh, anyway, no, where I was going with it. We, we almost lost one article today. So. Yeah. Um, uh, well, okay. Well, okay. Has to has to do with scholarship limits. Um, so it will just be part of the recruiting package like that, that, you know, left tackle or that, that outside linebacker, the drop end, the, the, you know, slot receiver, they're going to know on the market, there will be glass door salary starting division yes. one slot receiver, you know, reviews. You know, this coach said that I, you know, would never have to run slants and that's all I ran. Um, mm-hmm. It'll be part of the market. And it'll just be like the universities that adapt to that and find a way to do it will be, will, you know, will flourish. Some schools will whine about it and they will not be as successful. But then again, you know, Alabama and Ohio State signed the top recruiting class every year forever. And USC was a top recruiting class every year forever. Other schools still won national titles. You know, uh, Miami won a national title having never signed a top recruiting class or not signing one in like, you know, eight years prior to it. So schools will still find ways to win. The transfer portal is part of that. If someone's going to get signed at that school, you know, that, that could get the package, but they're going to be sitting behind four other guys that got the same deal and go, well, I, I need to go play somewhere. So 
maybe I'll go check out North Carolina and then, Hey, guess what? North Carolina wins the ACC and gets itself into the playoffs or is the second best rated team in the ACC and happens to backdoor its way in anyways, because with a well, 12 team playoff. Yeah. That's another interesting fact, like how the 12 team playoff, you know, uh, affects things where it's like, you know, the I think the 12 needs to start playing nine conference games, especially well, if they're going to have 18 teams. I actually think the way that the 12 team playoff, it's interesting, you know, because we, we, we went from a model in which, you know, we did this so incrementally that I think the people didn't really notice it, but it, this is sort of a fundamental step change where we went from, it was like the national championship was declared by media members at the end of the regular season based on how well you did in your regular season. And then we decided, you know, that's not good enough. We should play for it. Oh, we only selected two and it was on the basis of computers and teams were getting left out. All right, we're going to go to four and we're going to get rid of these computers and we're going to have a committee. Oh, we don't like that. We're going to go to 12. Um, and, and, and well with 12, that means that you're going to be playing up to three games, right? Um, or, or right like there's yeah. a lot of elimination and on top of that there's conference championships so like you're potentially having you know teams play like up to 17 games you know if they use the hawaii rule um it's like you have a serious postseason and you're gonna have to like you know within our lifetimes within the very near future you're gonna have um a team win a national championship with like three losses and right i'm here for it i am here for it well, it means like start preparing yourself, like start building your college football teams for like long hauls and mm -hmm. and sort of like a lot of the stuff that we've been the, the sort of point that you were making or I thought that you were making was that like a lot of this goes towards luck. You know, like what you needed to be in order to to win or to to get into the conversation uh, for it was just like you needed to be, you know, that lucky team that went 12 and 0, you know, which a lot of that had to do with like, oh my God, I hope the ball never bounces the wrong way. Oh my mm -hmm. God, I hope that kid never turns an ankle. Oh my God, oh my God. You know, there's so many different things that can go wrong. And like we've probably had it be the case multiple times that the actual, like, if you ran the simulation out a hundred times, you mm -hmm. would find that there's the team that probably should be the national champion that that team wasn't even playing for it in multiple years. Oh yeah. Uh, um, you know, because like, Oh, in two different games, some unlucky stuff happened to them. And like, you can't, you can't afford that because the cutoff was too, mm -hmm. was too harsh. Well, now the cutoff's not going to be too harsh. Dyer was down, and, and you know, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be the case that it's it's more like the regular season is just about proving that you're good enough to make the cutoff, and then having made the cutoff, it sort of resets. Like, yeah, there's seeding, I know, and like there'll be a first round buy, and you you definitely want to be one of the top four in order to get the buy. I understand that, but like. But it's just about proving that you're good enough to make the cutoff. And then it's about playing the postseason and like building yourself a team that wins in the postseason. And that's like pretty different from the original model, which was win the regular season 
And this BCS and 14 playoff thing is just a ratification to make sure that we had the right teams from the regular season championship. Like the, the that's what I'm trying to say is that the the BCS slash force team playoff era was just a continuation of the AP poll regular season championship era. And the 12 team playoff is going to be a new era. It's going to be the 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 playoff the actual playoff era like how the nfl operates where it's be good enough but just good enough to make the playoffs and then make a run in the playoffs you know just like pretty much all professional sports work where like you don't need to be the regular season champions you need to be good enough in the regular season to make the playoffs and then you need to be a playoff team you know, and that we've all seen for those of us who watch pro sports, whatever your pro sport of choice is, we've all seen teams that are just sort of like, you know, pretty good, but just sort of ho-hum in the regular season. But man, they're built for an October run, you know, or, or whatever month their their postseason is is built in because of the, the, the nature of their build. And you're going to see college football teams, you know, build like that. And so Kevin, here's the other way that I want to push back in your article, like because your article focuses on like Wheaties box uh, players, which is mm -hmm. like, yeah, definitely like that. You know, those are the players that like in the way that college football is presently constructed, like that's how you do it. I I think the teams that make that that are going to like make October runs, so to speak, I guess it'll, they'll be January runs now. Yeah. Um, I think the teams that'll make January runs, the, they will be, and to another earlier <laughs> point that you were making about how the good teams, the teams that flourish, will not be going wild with their money and throwing crazy, you know, Coke-fueled parties in Miami. They'll be, you know, assiduously shepherding their NIL money, you know, uh, I think the teams that'll make January runs will be using the transfer portal and using <laughs> their money um, in order to build teams that are really deep so that they have like five good linebackers who can play in coverage and like three of them can get hurt and they still have starting caliber guys. And then repeat <laughs> that for like every position. And like an, another thing that I think they'll you'll start seeing is like actually for real, like two quarterback systems. Um, and, and when I say two quarterback systems, I don't mean like you have one quarterback who does one thing and another quarterback who does another thing. I mean that like they will genuinely attempt to have two different like starting caliber quarterbacks on the team. At, at any given time and we'll try to give both of them playing time. Um, like, like you'll probably still have a starter and a backup, but they will genuinely be giving enough playing time to the backup so that the backup will also be a Wheaties box guy. Mm -hmm. So that like the entire season doesn't come crashing down if they have to go to the backup, because like, look at the NFL do you think they have just one quarterback on that roster? Like they frequently go back and forth between multiple quarterbacks, right? Like, because they've got to play a 16 game regular season and then like a billion games in the playoffs. 
right? Like that's there. And th- that's what the 53 man roster, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I've, I've gone off on that before. I, I think the NFL team should be able to carry a 75 man roster. Well, it's not like they're hurting for money. Well, right. no, hey. let, let them do it. And then you, when your QB goes down, the guy behind him is as good, you know? Right. Because they're NFL quarterbacks, right? Yeah. You know, like that's one of the things that's like the major, you know, again, I studied depth pretty extensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the one thing that I always have to put an asterisk on when I talk about depth, like, oh yeah, this team's built to go the distance They're you know, they're deep at running back and they're deep at offensive. They got, you know, sixth and a seventh man at offensive line and they're deep, you know, they got multiple cornerbacks that they could play. They got options to choose from at this and that position. Well, with the standard caveat that if the quarterback gets hurt, you know, all bets are off because like nobody gets to carry two different quarterbacks in this day and age. The instant that your backup quarterback is good enough to be a starter at a different program, he's going to transfer out and play and start for a different program. Um, So nobody gets to have like a starting caliber backup. You can have a developmental quality, you know, guy, you know, on your bench. Uh, but the instant that he's starting caliber, he's either starting or he's gone. Well, I think that in my opinion, that's the next big thing to change. It, you know, like the teams are going to have to have a big enough pot of NIL money to keep the backup, a, a high quality backup quarterback around. And also to your point in your article about like giving him exposure, like they're going to have to give him enough playing time so that he gets some like Wheaties box attention too. You are all over my next getting loud. All right, man. Well, I, I'll look. Can, can to I, te- can I tease it a little bit? Okay. I think that NIL is going to create free agent players. And I mean, people who get paid, go to a school and walk onto the squad and free up a scholarship slot. Ooh, I think that I, I think that that's all that, that factor is almost certainly what the new um, NCAA president, um, uh, uh, Charlie Baker, um, who used to be the governor of Massachusetts. Like I, I think that that thought, where nil money replaces scholarships um w- w- is at the forefront of his mind uh, about this like this idea that he's floating about like initiating the break off and coming up with actually like a payment scheme um yeah because like that would pretty much be the end of ncaa controls like if you can't you know like, control the roster size with scholarship counts um yeah it, Yep. It, I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that it'd be a disaster, although it kind of might be a disaster, but it would be like completely uncharted territory. It would, it would be the, the triggering factor for there being a effectively minor league football. Well, it would also mean that like, however much money you have, like that's how competitive you are, which is that was where we were at before there were scholarship limits, right? Mm-hmm. Like when teams like Washington and Alabama were were fielding like 150 man rosters because they were just like, well, give them all the scholarships they want, you know, like, you know. Uh, you know, if it's like, give them all the NIL money that they want. And that's just determines how many dudes you've got. Like, you know, because we'll have, you know, walk-ons, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
free agent college players. All right, we're getting real speculative. Uh, I I I didn't even finish the uh, the the Liberty film study that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm on, I'm on to Jackson State, which means I'm looking at Rich Rod's mug every Ugh. every moment on the sidelines. It cuts away too, which is like boy, I, I'm surprised. <laughs> I, I I always wondered where that guy wound up. Now I get to find out. Uh, anyway, I got to get back to to watching that. So we're we're gonna wrap that up there. Uh, Kevin, you got any parting words of wisdom for us? Oh, no, I have no wisdom, except that I know that I have no wisdom. Oh, very good. Uh, well, you you wrote three good articles for us, it, where, whereas I, in December, <laughs> uncharacteristic for the like every other month of the year, have like nothing to do because I got to like jam all this Liberty tape in my brain, which let me tell you, is an experience. Uh, a lot of tape. It's a lot of film study for a game that's going to be over in the first quarter. Uh, well, assuming Oregon doesn't sleepwalk through it. They run a, a, a triple option, um, which like Nick Saban famously Them said. Air Force. It's a different type of it. It's like it it can be a lot more explosive. Like if you it, it it's not the kind that like breaks your kneecaps running four yards at a time. It's the kind that like distracts you with a bunch of eye candy and then suddenly the running back is going for or one of the running backs is going for like 40 yards. Um but like you uh, regardless it, it is like all triple options one where like you need to like you need to know what you're doing on the defense you 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 can't just leverage your your talent advantage and just automatically win which like is sort of like i'm not saying that oregon's definitely going to do this or anything but it's a danger like I, I could definitely there's a scenario in which i could see it happening um uh uh because like obviously there's a massive talent disparity which is what you're referencing you know that, mm-hmm. that you know if the if the game were decided on paper yeah Oregon by a million um but games aren't decided on paper uh all right uh, the, they are decided in the Fiesta Bowl um in Glendale Arizona where the game will be paid, played at 10 a.m. Pacific time in the morning i guess to avoid the horrible scorching sun uh, uh uh we will we'll talk a little bit next time we record um because Kristen's uh, been watching a little bit of film too um uh, uh so we'll we'll have a, an interesting conversation uh hopefully about that uh and about you know the the glendale sunshine as well of course it never rains on this podcast <laughs>